Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 197th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast is always down to explore the secret layers of secret layers. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of magic gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, Travis Allen, Wizard Bumpin on Twitter. I have sort of two co-hosts this week. Uh, our primary co-host is going to be Cliff Daigle uh, at Word of Commander on Twitter. And we still got James with us. Uh, MTG Critic hanging around, but his voice is a little sore, so he's just going to chime in where appropriate. Um, Hi, most, guys. <laughs> most oh important, God. we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. Uh, I'm looking forward to sharing some valuable information with everyone, including the ghost of James Chilcott past. Uh, keep in mind, this show is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool and nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at coolstuffinc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, why don't you walk us through what's on in our show this week? Uh, this week, we've got the uh, usual four winners. We've got our top movers. There's some cards that have seen some interesting uh, increases. We've got some picks from all three of us. I don't know if we've done a three-way show before, and uh, we'll see uh, what we all have to think about that. Although our weekend review for the metagame isn't really much, but we do have a lot to talk about with how the Secret Lair launch went and some pioneer bands that happened uh, yesterday afternoon. Shake things up yet again. Quite quite a bit there to bite off. Uh, okay, so let's get started this week. Castle Luchthwain, Luchthwain uh, Extended Arts, the non-foils out of uh, Throne of Eldraine Plus, as we've got it marked here. A small jump here, 13 to 15. Um, you know, we liked this card a couple weeks ago before Mono Black was just dominating the format. Now that Smuggler's Copter is banned, uh, where is Mono Black aggro going to go? And I think that's one of the big questions in the format right now. So the next couple of days will kind of tell us a tale about whether this deck is going to hang around, if it's got the, the legs to stay in the format and remain the preeminent aggro deck, or if we're going to see another strategy step in and take its place that doesn't need to rely on Copter. I don't think it relies on Copter, but man, does Copter make it sing. Um, you know, being able to pitch your extra lands or something sweet like gutter bones that you can just get back. I don't know if it's necessary, but it, I think it is going to move it down a tier and, uh, we'll, we'll see just how far Lockthwing can, Lockthwing, um, I thought, uh, anyway, Lockthwing, how far it can go. Yeah. Um, my, my guess is that we might see some other aggro decks that function well without Smuggler's Copter, or rather functioned well without Copter in the first place because they were already pretty full. Vampires uh, is one option. Yeah, Vampires. I wonder, I think there might be some Grawl decks too that I remember see floating around. Yeah, I, I'd be more surprised to see the, the Grawl decks. Uh, the Vampires would be more of a surprise than like some fun red-green aggro. 
Following that is Nicol Bolas the Ravager. This is a creature version from Magic 2019, so a little over a year ago now. The four-color 4-4 four, four, that when he hits the battlefield, he transforms into Nicol Bolas the Arisen. Non-foils 20 to 25, uh, so a little, a little bit of a bump there, 25-30%. You see some decent play in both EDH and casual formats. He's also, I've also seen him pop up in Pioneer once or twice, um, but, I, you know, I can't speak to how much that happens, but I know I've seen him before. Uh, there's this Grixis mid-range deck uh, that's got some Vrince Prodigy action that makes a full use of the Nicol Bolas playset. Um, also in there is a Dragon God and Liliana the Last Hope, and it's, you know, just a, a Grixis mid-range controlly deck. So he's he's getting some use in Pioneer. Um and maybe now that we have some room to breathe in the format, he might we might see some more of this guy. That deck looks fun as hell. It does. And anything with a 4-4 flyer for four that is automatically catching you up on cards, even if they kill it, like you you, you got to love it. And you got to respect the threat it represents, even if they do kill it. It's just an onboard, you know, kill this giant flyer of a dragon or die. I, I, I just want to play it, make them discard a card, then they're going to kill it. Then I'm going to bring it back with Scarab God, God and then I'm going to flip it. <laughs> uh, That's nasty. Does that work? I think that I, works. Yeah. You can't flip... To- no, because don't you exile no, it? doesn't and make- work. Yeah, you make a token copy of it, don't you? Yeah. Oh, and then the, the token the token can't... Yeah, yeah flip, tokens can't transform. Can't oh, that yeah, sucks. Because it specifically says on the face of the card, exile this card, then return him. So once you exile it, it's gone. Oh, even if it didn't however, have that text, you can't transform a token. Yeah. Well. However, however, if you have the token in play and Nicol Bolas Dragon God, then he steals the ability from the token, and he can. It's not a planeswalker until it flips, bro. I like that oh, you're trying. None of it, none of it works. None Look, of it works. James, you're high on cough syrup right now. It's yeah, okay, it's man. It's okay. You, using, um, using your precious 30 lines of dialogue for this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up right. on the list is Supreme Verdict from, uh, and this is Eternal Masters. Uh, it's gone from uh, 15 I- to about, what? Iconic. That- Iconic, excuse me. There are too many Master sets running around. My apologies. Iconic Masters, 15 to 20. Uh, it's jumped up just these last couple of days because with uh, the aggro and the Field of, a- Field of Dead bannings, it's more likely that Control is going to have its day in the sun for Pioneer. I think Supreme Verdict's pretty tasty here. I can't tell you that I wouldn't be selling them at 20. I'd be selling them like hardcore at 20. I, I mean, I sold mine earlier this, like last week for like 13 or something. And with another bump, I'd probably still be tempted to do it. But I do think this card has legs in this format. It's, it was printed in Return the Ravnica. We still haven't seen a better Wrath effect. And Blue White has a lot of really strong tools in Pioneer including things like Teferi and Narset. And that color combo hasn't really hit the format hard yet with how much we've gone from Nykthos builds to Field of the Dead to Black Aggro. So we might not actually be anywhere close to the peak of blue-white play so far. And keep in mind, too, blue-white still can play Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, well, yeah, yeah. And they, that's and terrifying. Got in the, in, they've also got into the story if they need to fall back on something else. That seems pretty weak when you could just play Sphinx's Wrath. I, I yeah. guess the the issue here is that I just don't see Supreme Verdict as a forty dollar card. No, so but you re- see it as a twenty. I mean, yeah, it might grow a little bit more, but 
this is gonna it feels like it is gonna eventually get a reprint and it won't be it, it's a little well, too niche to be 30 or 40 dollars well here's the thing gentlemen it already is in reprint mode because it's a mystery booster card um and those are carry about a two and a half dollar buy list premium but that doesn't seem to be repressing at all the thing about the mystery boosters is that they have they get distributed geographically event by event right Mm-hmm. So they're not flooding the market by any means. They don't have that same uh, peak supply problem that you get out of a standard set where 60% of the set is open in the first 30 days. Yeah, but it's going to be a, a constant flow. Yeah, so that will catch up to it, but that we've got months to get out before that happens. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, back to Travis's point, you should sell at 20 and be happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brazenbauer, uh, another uh, Throne of Aldrain plus here, uh, the, the extended arts, the extended arts 35 to 50, and I believe James picked that card. Uh, wait, is this a foil that we're talking about? The one, the one you're looking at there is the extended art. That's not what I picked last week, but they all... Oh, okay. Okay. So the extended art was 35 to 50. Last week, you picked the just the normal pack copies for 18 to 30. Oh, yeah. Showcase trying under 30. Okay. So a pretty good move for Brazen Borrower, a card that uh, defies my expectations week after week with how much I see it across Standard and Pioneer, but and, there and it is. Legacy. Yeah, sure. Well, if I looked at a Legacy deck, I might be surprised at how much I saw it. <laughs> Stubborn Denial foils out of Concertar sixteen for about a 50% jump. We're seeing this all over the place in Pioneer right now. Um, solid sideboard card, really good uh, com- uh Really good counterspell in the format, um, especially with some of the creatures that have been getting tossed around in the format so far. Well, it's, uh, it's, ma- it's main deck and is it in Soul and Simic and Soul? Mm. Uh, because they're making oh, five sure. cards, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's a really good place for that. Anywhere you're consistently pumping those out. Yeah, that does like seem that. like a, a winner. This is, I mean, I would probably, I would sell this here as well, but I don't know. I mean, this has got ferocious as a mechanic, right? Yeah. So, ah, where are you putting this again as a foil? I, I think I might be holding on to this. It's it's had enough legs and legacy to go uh, as high as it went, and now in Pioneer, like you said, reprinting this is going to be tricky. Uh, I I think I'd be holding out for a little more. I think that we might see it hit twenty five before the end of the year. All it needs is one chance it, to shine on camera. Here's the thing. It's um. It's also in Modern and Grixis Death Shadow, of course. Not that that matters much anymore. But it could get reprinted in Ikoria, which would make perfect sense for Ferocious. Possibly, yeah, if they bring it back. They've been pretty reluctant to bring mechanics back at yeah. this point, right? I mean, plus, I, uh, sure, possibly. Well, I mean, two, two-thirds of the mechanics in Theros are revisits. It's true. What did we have? I feel like it's been a while. Ah, I'd have to go back. You know what? I don't want to speak to that because I want to say that they haven't been doing it that much. You're right about Theros. Prior to that, I don't remember well enough to speak to it. Hmm. Yeah, there needs a lot more research to figure that out. But in the meantime, Cavalier of Flame, the core 2020 mythic, has jumped up from $6 to $9 on the back of being something pretty sweet to do in the Fires of Inventions decks because you can... Drop it, another creature, and immediately start pumping it up with that mana you didn't pay. 
This card's pretty potent. Uh, I saw both this and the Blue Cavalier floating around recently, but uh, I really like that Enter the Battlefield trigger. It just lets you refuel your hand pretty fast. Yep. Um, the Devotion decks in the original Theros were never really red. That that version didn't take off. It was blue and black and a little bit of green. Uh, but Cavalier Flame could carry some water in, uh, in the new Theros for a red Devotion. So... Um, you know, this is pro ah, Theros is like in the spring. Ugh. No, I would sell here and maybe look for a chance to re-enter during Keo like uh Ikoria. Maybe uh attention will shift away from the Cavaliers and be worth checking them out again at that point in time. Yeah, but what are you hoping it gets to? Fifteen? Like you're no, hoping- I'm saying sell now. Yeah. On the jump. And then if you like it for Theros, wait to rebuy it during Aquaria. Like let that set come out. The Cavaliers might drop in popularity because people are doing something else. Now the prices drop on this card and then maybe you can move in again ahead of Theros. All right. I see what you're saying. Plus we need to give Standard a chance to settle out a little more from the the Oko banning, which was only like two weeks ago. <laughs> There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. Um, speaking of sweet red cards, though, uh, next up on the list is Glorybringer non-foils from Emonket have gone from two to three bucks because it's a pretty sweet mid-range card. Mid-range card in Pioneer. Uh, we, I forgot how much fun it is to play a hasty creature that kills one of their best creatures. <laughs> Who knew? Glorybringer is a beating. Um, he has been. Uh, a mainstay in Pioneer so far, which I wasn't sure how long he'd hang around. Um, but granted, not much is going to change in you know three weeks or whatever. Um, but I, you know, right now Glorybringer is doing a lot of work in Pioneer. There's no question about that. Would you be a buyer at three? Well, I'm not a buyer of non-foils. Um, I'm reluctant there. We'll talk about the foils a little later on the cast. Uh, but I, they're just, I imagine the stock is going to be pretty deep on non-foils at the moment. Uh, and I don't think the demand profile is quite that expansive. So I, I would probably be a seller. Of course, at $3, you aren't getting too far with this. So I would be buy-listing them, honestly. Following that are Foil Siobhan Reefs out of Magic 2015, 475 to 750 for like a 50 or 60% pickup. This is seeing some play in various Pioneer decks. So nothing... Big there, but we might see some more blue-red come to the format, front of the format uh, of Pioneer now that the bands are in place, but time will tell. Uh, then Brazen Borrower, out of Eldraine. This time, the normal non-packed non-foils. Um, when we were talking about it earlier, that was the extended arts, but the non-foils are 18 to 35, which is almost exactly the pick call from James last week, I think. Um, so a solid, solid gain there for almost a double up. And it's really seeing a good amount of play across multiple Pilots formats are at, at this $30 point. $30 credit on CK, so the exit's already present. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that seems, I mean, if you bought in at 18 walk out with 30 there. Seems like a win to me. They like our wins. Uh, Elvish Mystic out of Magic 2014, the foils $4 to $8. This is, like, one of the top creatures in Pioneer right now. Um, might be the most played creature in Pioneer. It's definitely close to it. Um, in fact, there was a gentleman who released a compiled data dump 
on Twitter earlier of the most played cards of Pioneer based on just the raw number of copies that had shown up. And I don't know the time frame on this, uh, and it obviously includes Dextrum before the the most recent band was Smuggler's Copter and uh, Bill of the Dead, What's so it's a little that? skewed, yeah. But uh, Land War Elves is the top creature card on here at 636, and Elvish Mystic's just behind it. So uh, pretty much the most popular creature in modern. Uh, keep in mind, by the way, that Land War Elves is cooler, and you should play those instead. Well, you end up playing if you're not all playing eight, all eight. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're yeah. if you're running four, you're probably running eight because you want to strain the fatal pushes. Yeah. Also, and you want to run gilded goose. I mean, why not go for the full dozen? A lot of them do actually. Uh, well, that's why gilded goose no- is number five. Yeah. Also worth noting that Llanowar Elves is uh, available as a old foil, old border foil F and M promo, and that is pretty sick. That's the. I think the best one you can get. Oh no, you got to go for the extended art foil from Dominaria. Well, that's Elvish Mystic, not Llanowar Elf. Oh, Llanowar, you you can just go for beta. Well, yeah, what, 400 bucks, 600 bucks a pop? Amir. And then the. Uh, Following that is Bedlam Reveler foils out of 7th edition. So just. No, no. These pop up. Just just, just 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 Bedlam. Bedlam. Oh, Bedlam, I'm sorry. Right, I, I'm so used to saying Bedlam Reveler that this is just Bedlam. Foils out of 7th edition, 65 to 250. I, you know, it's a 7th edition foil spike. These come up pretty much every week. Sometimes we talk about them, sometimes we don't. But they're always floating around out there. People are always still, people still pick up copies of this stuff. They stash them in binders. They don't hit, you know, people don't sell them back to stores very often. They just kind of sit in binders quietly collecting dust. So the, the inventory does get attritioned away over the years finally mayhem devil so that's why i grabbed bedlam devil no i grabbed bedlam reveler damn it mayhem devil out of war of the spark <laughs> foils a dollar fifty to six fifty so over a three time over 300 percent gain here this is seeing a lot of play in standard right now uh, mayhem devil is the card that lets you it gives you triggers whenever a player sacrifices a creature and it's creeping into pioneer too. So, you know, we started with a, a low value foil here of a dollar 50 or so on an uncommon and it has jumped, uh, in because of the play it's seen. I'm a definite seller here. The odds that this climbs over 650 are real slim. It would have to see major sustained play and standard and continue to see decent play in pioneer. So if you've got a stack of these, get out while the getting's good. I'm with you. Although it is worth noting, it's any permanent, and uh, I've been playing it some on Arena, and it's a really good time to sack your Fabled Passage and ping something for that last point of damage. Feels real good. Oh, yeah. That seems or, tasty. Or your, or your food. Yeah, I was going to say, I imagine this has seen a lot of play in the cat food decks, right? Exactly. Corvold, etc. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You play four. You play four color and throw in uh, Taza Karlov and get your crazy cat lady on. That's that's magic these days, huh? Corvold, um, by, okay. Corvold by the way, Corvold by the way is playing out as exactly the kind of break stop that we expected it to. The only being able to get them in those brawl decks that have barely, if at all, been resupplied in a lot of regions is sending Corvold higher. Yeah, I One saw the collector boosters too. Like there Some were. Pro- uh, uh, 
Go ahead, Cliff. Well, yeah, the non-foils are only in the collector boosters. The foils are in the brawl decks. Oh yeah. The uh, I saw some pros saying today that they basically could not find any corbels for sale in their town, and they need them for a tournament, and just like they just didn't exist. Quite a quite a conundrum. Wizards put the players in, but let's move on to segment two here. Cards to watch. Uh, we've got quite a few options here, so I, I, I'm going to try got, and direct we good, this. We got, we got good news and bad news here, folks. Uh, the bad <laughs> okay. news is our members have been bitching that we have too many foil picks. Got some bad news for you. There's a lot of foil picks here. Good news is they're going to make you money anyway. <laughs> yeah, if our if our listeners uh, think that we should pick all non-foil cards, then... I don't know. I don't have really have a snappy retort for this. Let's start off. I shouldn't start what I can't finish. Uh, I'm going to have James start with a card that I actually wrote about yesterday. Yeah. So my first pick this week is Lotus Field Foils out of M20. We were dodging the good foils out of this set for a few months because we weren't sure where they were going to land. But I've seen enough now from Core 2020. Not last week we were talking about Aethergust and Noxious Grasp foils like pushing 10 to 20. Um, those are uncommons, so if that can happen, then I can easily buy that uh, my picks from Core 20 here that are rares are going to do just fine, especially given the ramp and the relative dearth of supply that I'm seeing online currently. First pick is Lotus Field. Foils from 10 to 18 seem very likely in a 6 to 12 month horizon. It's a likely combo piece in Pioneer. There's already lists floating around. Um, them losing once upon a time hurts because that added significant consistency to the decks that wanted to pull a field off the top. Um, but even if this, if that pushes that deck off the map for a while, eventually the format's going to come back around to Lotus Field. And if Pioneer doesn't get there, EDH demand will prop it up anyway. Yep, I wrote about this card on Monday um, for with basically the same positioning. Uh, it popped up in the PTQ, the Pioneer PTQ this last weekend with the Vizier of Tumbling Sands and Hidden Strings, which, um, you know, if you have Lotus Field in play and a Vizier in play, you know, between those two cards, it's six mana. If you toss in a Hidden Strings, you've now made 12. So you fire off 12 mana, you cast an Omniscience, and then you go to town. Um, so that's a fun little combo there. I don't know if that's good enough for Pioneer, but I think that it's fine for... You know, th- that's that's a basis of a combo, and maybe we will see other builds that try and utilize Lotus Field too, because it is a potent card and probably the best mana producing, like mana ramp land we've had in quite some time. Um, and then on top of that, you have some some modest EDH demand too. And again, as to the Magic Twenty foils, we've seen that they they they've still been successful despite uh, an increased drop rate. So uh, I. I'm on board. I was on board yesterday. I'm still on board today. <laughs> the other thing about this is that let's say they add more field of the dead, field of the dead, like anti field of the dead type cards. Even though field of the dead is now gone, at some point they're going to print more broken lands, and maybe they're going to give um, the format strip mine style effects in greater quantity, um, or some enchantments that deal with them. You know, your alpine moon, blood moon variants, and whatever. Thing is that nothing that targets does anything to lotus field because it's got hexproof. So <laughs> it's going to be, and it's not like you can target it with Fatal Pushes or Abrupt Decays. Destroy Target Permanent doesn't exist in the format in any on any card that's going to see play. So um, call it a long-term spec that has near-term upside. Yeah, it would definitely have to be probably something akin to a Rest in Peace 
um, an enchantment type hate that's, you know, whenever a land would tap for mana, if it taps for more than one, it only taps for one type of thing. I guess Damping Sphere is in the format, right? Yeah, Damping Sphere from Dominaria fills that role. I do does that do exactly what I just said? If a land is yes. capped for two or man- more mana, it only produces one. So damping sphere is the solution. Okay. So there's an option. There's an out there, but uh, yeah. In any case, let's feel good card. Cliff, what is your first card for us this week? Uh, my first pick is also a land. I'm like I like the non-foil fable passage uh, out of Thrones of Eldraine because right now it's twenty dollars and we are. Still a, what, six weeks away from having uh, the Theros set come out. And this is proving to be a very popular card in Standard and in Pioneer. It is, according to uh, Goldfish, it is more popular than Island and Plains. So make of that what you will. And I think that if you're going to need a playset, you should get yours now. Because we have two years for this to still be good in Standard. So seeing this be... Uh, I'm picking this to double up sometime in the next 12 months up to $40. Wow, I definitely don't hate this. You know, 20 bucks is a steep price to pay for a, yeah, la- a standard rare yeah. land. But that's, I mean, it is obscenely popular in standard right now, and it is showing up a good amount in Pioneer. It's the most popular, I, I just, it's the most popular Eldraine card for Commander after Arcane Signet. Yeah. Oh, God. Arcane Signet. It, it definitely feels like it, it's weird recommending a $20 standard non-foil land, but I I can't really come up with a good case against this. You, you've got to buy them right now because you're going to feel real dumb having to buy in a playset for $100 at Valentine's Day or, uh, you know, $120, $140 next summer knowing that you still have a year to play with that playset. I mean, just get in now and, you know, thank me when you don't spend more money later down the line. If you need them to play with, I'm totally on board. As a spec, it's a little tricky because to get the double up we're after, it's got, it has to hit 40, not 28 or 30. Um, Byless might step in and help with some of that. It's possible that you might get a modest 20% in three months or something, which is still totally great. Um the inventory is pretty deep. There's 104 results for near mint copies on TCG right now. And it is possible that standard shifts off needing it to some extent, depending on what other lands we get. But I spec Scrylands and Theros. That's not going to change behavior at all. Ikoria, who knows? But that's not till May. I don't know. I, I don't see myself pushing the chips in, but I can't say you're wrong. So I just dialed it back. Uh, I pulled up the pricing info for Mutavault 2014, and that hit nearly $40 during Born of the Gods. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, and yeah, but that was... The ubiquity uh, is similar. Um, yeah, but wasn't... Uh, what's its face? Uh, no, the, um, the Make Everything a Swampland was never legal and standard during... No, it was legal and standard. That was during the, the corset printing for... Er- Urborg uh, was M14. Yeah, so there was a little combo there, so it wasn't as bad as it looked. <laughs> and like Mono Black was ridiculous at that point because you could go Foxies into um, ridiculousness, like Pack Rat. Well, and it was also an elemental from where, when Master Waves hit play. <laughs> Master Waves. 
right. I think that's a good. I think yeah. that's a solid comparison, Travis. Those are the ubiquity of the two cards is pretty similar. It's it's a bold pick, but I might I, be in for. I, I might I be in for a couple of just, sets. Yeah, just because if you're going to play standard, you're going to want some number of this. I I haven't <laughs> seen many lists that play none. It it it's a good choice. I you know I. We're talking about a standard land here, but you know, Mutavault shows that these standard lands can get some real traction if they're if they're heavily played. So forty is probably a bit ambitious, but you know, once you crest thirty, I think you're in good shape here. Well, and the nice thing is, is that like they're gonna even if you don't hit forty or whatever, uh, you're not gonna get stuck with a pile of these that you can't move. They're gonna be in very high demand for a while. Here's the other thing: if you believe the forty thesis. Then alternatively, if you're looking for your commander copy, you may as well pick up $35 extended arts because those I feel significantly more confident in because the supply is completely choked off. People can pop booster packs of Eldraine for the next two years if they have to chasing this card, but you can't do that with the extended arts because only Europe got much of a resupply and there really isn't much collector boosters left floating around. Wizard seems to have flushed the system recently and I don't expect we're going to see another wave. Well, all right, then. All right, well, let, uh, let me move on to my first card here of the week. Dig Through Time, foils out of Ultimate Masters, floating around $9 right now. This is the 33 most played card in Pioneer, according to that data dump we got earlier, so pretty high. Um, I expect it will move up relative position-wise because we're, I assume we're going to lose a good amount of black cards and a, some of those Field of the Dead cards. Um, but basically, I, I'm expecting that this ban here will clear out space for some various control-ish type builds. Also, maybe some of these combo decks that want Dig Through Time. Dig Through Time is definitely, I think, in Pioneer is likely to be better than Treasure Cruise. Treasure Cruise is going to excel in formats where the relative value of each of your cards is very high. I mean, it was phenomenal in Legacy, because you were drawing things like Lightning Bolt and Ponder, uh, Brainstorm, and those types of things. The variance between your card levels and Pioneer feels like it's probably a little wider. So Dig Through Time, allowing you to go get exactly what you, you know, closer to exactly what you need is, is better for you. So in general, I think it's it's doing well in Pioneer now, should be looking better. It's also in 14,000 EDH track decks, although that's not even why I started talking about it. As far as pricing goes, we're looking at about, like I said, $8.59 bucks for foils um, on the Ultimate Masters copies, and that ramps up to $11.12. Uh, there's only 22 vendors. The Kanzatarkir foils start a little higher, 10 or 11, only like 19 vendors on those. And then, you know, a very small, like a playset or two worth of pre-release foils that are $13 or something. So supply is definitely on the low side. It's not empty. But given that I'm anticipating an uptick in demand here, I think that foil dig through times uh, are probably pretty well positioned. This one's pretty nice um, from the perspective of none of the products, the plethora of products we know about next year, are likely at all to offer up foil dig through times. The the only possibility is that the LGS foils that are releasing in the spring include this card. From the Mystery Boosters? Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just kind of a great big nebulous unknown. You could say that about anything. 
Yeah, so percentage chance it gets a reprint there, 15% or something. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good card. It's the type of thing they'd want to include. So it's not, you know, 1% or 2%. But, I, I mean, I agree, you know, that that particular sword is hanging over the head of, like, let's add most of our stuff here. Although, you know, again, Dixer Time is a little more desirable than some other options. All right, I'm in for eight copies. <laughs> That would call that my limit. Okay. Uh, James, what's your second card this week? So my second pick is is almost exactly the same thing as Lotus Field. It's a foil rare from M20 that's proven that it can get there. Elvish Reclaimer is a big deal legacy card. Not that that matters all that much. But because it's good enough for legacy, it means that eventually they may give the right tools uh, into Modern and Pioneer for this card to do work. Um, In the right circumstances, this is a 3-4 that is doing all sorts of shenanigans with your lands. So to see these foils go 10 to 18, even if it's just on the back of Legacy and EDH, it's possible. If Modern and Pioneer start to use the card more, it's just going to push it even harder. And I'm not, I don't think we're going to see a reprint on this for years, um, given where it came from and how recently. That's a, a surprising amount of EDH rec decks here. We're looking at 1,700, and this came out in Magic 2020, so only a couple months ago. That's a pretty good pickup there. And this is a crop rotation, essentially, on a stick, um, which, you know, is good enough as it is, I would imagine, in most places. The 3-4 the body is just gravy. Um, yeah, I can see a lot. You know, anyone who plays Gitrog or Lord Windgrace is going to want to be playing this, and Lord Windgrace continues to be quite popular. The Golos decks like this. Um Sure, I can see this. And, you know, again, those Magic 2020 foils have been uh, have been doing better than, I guess, we initially had given them credit for. So with a, a healthy EDH demand backing this guy and some pocket demand in, you know, Modern Legacy with the breakout possibility and Leg- Pioneer, everything seems lined up pretty well for him. My only question is, what, what are you going to get with this in Pioneer besides Nykthos? I, I don't There's think... A- <clears throat> I don't think Modern or Pioneer has a plan for this card yet. I just think that given that they're going to keep pushed, they've already signaled that they're pushed. All the sets coming up for the next year are pushed. So anything could happen. Oh, goody. And the ramp is already steep on this. Like There aren't that many of these foils still sitting around. I think we're looking at 37 results, and it goes from 9 to 14 in a hurry. So the first like 20 copies sold is going to push this to 15, as is, and then it's pretty steep all the way up to 20. Alright. Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that even if the land that this needs to fetch isn't there today, it will get it will be there eventually. So here here's the, the cart with my four thousand two hundred dollars worth of CK credit that I, I just put together. Eight Ultimate Masters foils at seven ninety nine apiece. Dig through time. Oh my Thank god, James. And uh eight talk me out of this one. Eight masterpiece soul rings at three fifty. Hmm. There are eleven Whoa. listings left on TCG Player, and they start. There's one at three twenty. The next one's three forty nine. So it's CK basically at straight par value to the lowest near mint copy on TCG once that other one sells. Well, I want to tell you that this is the right choice. Uh, as somebody who owns still several of these, I know the movement on them has been a little slow lately. Um, I mean, it can't be that slow. I only think you should. Listings left. Uh, how many and I, and I see, uh, Judge Foil Guy's Cradle does Card Kingdom have right now? 
Yeah, that's that's always. I, I've already picked up three from them this year of those. Uh, <laughs> they they don't seem to be moving the price up on them, so I'm hesitant to take more of them on. I kind of look at the Judge Foil Cradles and the Soul Rings as the same thing. I'm basically getting my full buy list credit minus fifteen percent because that's what I'm going to have to discount them to to sell them. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's really well, just turning the original buy list into cash at a fifteen percent discount. All of the numbers here tell me that this is a good pick. As somebody who has had them for a little while and hasn't really seen them sell, although I don't remember what minor price at at the moment. You're the most like that, expensive guy on TCG right now. Well, I wasn't for for well, yeah, I was not. Like I went to the bottom, I think, or close to it, and then people kept filling in beneath me. Sure. Uh, but I, but all the numbers sound good, right? Like if I look at this as strictly on the numbers, I think it looks great. Well, I mean, the funny thing here is that I had a, I was going to spend the full 4000 of this buy list credit the other night, mostly on Japanese foil War of the Spark Planeswalkers. And I decided to just put that on pause for a few days and think about it as I did a little bit more research. Because the numbers are really good. CK's numbers on those cards are great. Um, but given the news that we got this morning that we'll talk about in a little bit, I am glad that I hit the hold button. Yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, Cliff, what's your second choice? My second pick this week is uh, Karn's Bastion Foils out of War of the Spark. Uh, I put down $5 on the spreadsheet, but I'm looking at car- at uh, TCG, and I can get them for closer to like $2.53 $3 right now, although it does, there's only 75 near mint foil copies on there at the moment. Uh, it's only a year-ish old, and it's already in 7,000 Commander decks. Uh, it goes in your counter, your plus one, plus one counters decks. It goes in your Poison decks. It goes in your Super Friends especially. And uh, even with the extra number of foils out there from uh, the War of the Spark foil sheets, uh, this is something that I think is going to hit uh, $15 sometime in the next year to two years. Yeah, the demand is certainly there. Um, it's the highest land from Dominaria, and seven thousand in a year is you definitely mean War of the Spark? strong. Uh, yeah, I looked it up at War of the Spark and then still said Dominaria. I don't know why I think it's Dominaria because <laughs> it's late know, there, buddy. That's why. Yeah, and we know counters are very popular. Proliferate's popular. Uh, the supply sounds like it's on the higher side, but at two fifty or three bucks, I don't think I care. I think that's totally fine to scoop up cheap copies of this and let them appreciate, um, you know, eight, nine bucks easily seems like no problem. The main issue is that there's four versions already. There was the pre-release, the pack foil, there's the promo pack foil from later in the summer with the little Planeswalker symbol on it. And then there's the Planeswalker weekend event promos, which I think have the superior art. Yeah, they do. Wait, what? (coughs) I had no yeah. idea. I knew there was the the one with the planeswalker symbol from the the packs, but I have no idea about this last version you're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the art's definitely better on those two. But and the they have total number of listings is the issue here. There's just like there's still two hundred plus. I fully agree that this card is going to sell, sell, sell for years. But this is the kind of card that I want to be working through a buy list where. I'm getting my margin all the time. I'm churning this card all the time. Like this is a perfect DJ card, right? This is he's going to handle a hundred of these year, the hundred of these this year. He's going to make a couple bucks every time, even if the card only fluctuates by a couple bucks throughout the entire year. 
what the heck was this thing given out for? I had I have never seen this card. It's got a different watermark and everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the Planeswalker weekend. That was the celebration event that was like a week after the, the pre-release or two weeks after. Well, son of a biscuit. I got to tell you, man, Scryfall. Do you use Scryfall? I do use Scryfall. I just didn't use it in this case. <laughs> so, so I think this, I, I think caught. I... I I, I still think this is a card to keep your eye on, but I I don't think I want I see any reason to be deep on these until I see supply starting to dry up, and I suspect that at the, by the time that's going on, Europe will have discounted these insanely low because nobody plays Commander in Europe, and we'll be able to snap off a bunch if we see them drying up. Hmm. All right, yeah, that could be an angle too. Like somebody will have a brick of yeah. these in Europe that just they never handed out that are just. They, they wanted Euro 5 per or something. Oh, man, that'd be sick. Travis, what was your next pick this week? Well, I will follow my second pick here, Wayfarer's Bobbles. I uh, can't wait for you guys to tell me there's a secret version of this I forgot about. Foils <laughs> out of Modern Masters 2015 are currently available for $2 or so, maybe even a little less, depending on where you snag them. There are, there are currently in 20,000 EDH Reckless. It is the seventh most played utility artifact in EDH Rec. Um, that not counting mana rocks, but we're looking at 20,000 less. Uh, prices for, for the foils from Modern Masters 2015 are two bucks. Supply is definitely low. We're looking at eight, 14 vendors total for i don't know maybe 30-ish copies and it jumps from two to four after like three play sets maybe there are dark steel foils but like they're rare they're they're few and far between and they're not great foils so this version is definitely the preferable foil um so i mean just looking at the the demand profile the supply and the price everything here tells me this is gonna be double triple quadruple up so this card in particular Strikes me as something that we are going to see in Commander Legends next November, right? Well, it's certainly on the table. I can't deny that. Hasn't seen a reprint since 2015. 20k EDH rec decks. It's a common. It fixes mana in a set where they're going to have, what did they say, 90 new legends or something? 70, yeah, many, it was big. Many of which you can assume are going to be multicolored. Like, it's probably going to be a heavy multicolored set. So... As long as you can get in and out of this in six months, I think you're fine. I don't I'm, share the same worries about this, chat. I think this is a, a pretty strong pick, and uh, as, especially given the amount of decks already playing it, I don't think you need to listen to the Grinch over there. I think I'm with you. I'm on your side. But in support of you both, there's nothing else during the year <laughs> planned where it can show up, right? They're not going to print. I don't think they're going to print this into standard. Um, I guess it's not impossible, but it doesn't seem likely. And it's certainly not going to show up in either of the commander decks, not as a foil. No, I, I, I respect the concern about the commander masters later this year. And I mean, you know, that's just going to be, I guess, hanging over our heads for yeah. the next, you know, 12 months. And yeah, we can do our best to avoid it, I suppose. But there are still going to be cards that are going to end up being good specs. And I know... James, you've been a fan before of commenting about how, you know, sure, we have this reprint set coming up, but there are a lot of cards that need reprints and they can't reprint them all. So, you know, you can pick up 
20 of these and if you get caught out because you they did, you didn't sell them before and they end up in there then that's a bummer but if you've diversified like you will make money despite of the reprints because they will not reprint more cards than they do i think it's a strong pick that i would probably limit myself to a playset on just to make sure i had time to exit hmm. okay and, and, it, and it's entirely possible buy list will just get there ahead of okay what's your last pick james uh another foil this time, Hope of Girapur. This is uh, a zero to six month pick, I think. Uh, and I rated a nine. It's my only nine of the week. This is at Ether Revolt. You can currently pick up, there's very few foils left around $4. I sniped off two or three of them this afternoon out of Europe and then ran out of copies at a price I liked. Uh, I think 4 to $10 on this is very likely. This is an under the radar thing that everybody ignored when it was in standard, but it's in three different decks in Pioneer. It's a four of in Kethys. It's a two of in Is It and Simic and Soul, both of which stand to gain from the bannings this week. Um, very steep ramp, very low supply. There's no way this is on their radar to reprint anytime soon. It's such a weird card. Um, and it's so specific to the plane of Kaladesh that it could be... This is one of those cards that could go five to ten years without a reprint. It's definitely an odd card. Um, and I agree that it is probably as far from the reprint mindset as you can get within the hallowed halls of wizards there. Um, it's also a fun little card because it allows you to set up a soft lock. So this is a, this is a nifty card. Um, and if supply is as shy as you say it is, then it's probably pretty much destined to be $10 as it is. 14 results, yeah, on, pretty... TC- 14 results on TCG player. Yeah. Nobody has more than two copies listed. That's nice. Any thoughts on that, Cliff? Uh, he's right, and uh, I'm sorry to hear he's not feeling well. And this is just <laughs> great. Uh, I wouldn't try for the whole kid's college education, but it is definitely worth picking these up before they become expensive. Uh, he's going to sound great on the cast, Cliff, because I'm going to silence all the coughing he's doing in our ears. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> all right, what's your last one, Cliff? My last one is, uh, yes, it's another foil. It's also another card that only has uh, 15 or so copies available on TCG Player, at least at near mint foil, is uh, Soulfire Grandmaster. Right now you can find it in the $7 range, but not for long. There's, uh, like, most of the copies are in the $7, $8, $9, and then there's, like, two in the uh, $15 range. Uh, I don't know what combo it will be, but there will be some ridiculous combo. I saw on Twitter today the Command the Dread Horde works especially spicy with this if you feel like getting all kinds of crazy. Uh, but it's a small set mythic from five years ago, and there's almost no copies to be had. So get while you can. Ooh, that supply has dried up significantly from what I remember. Yeah, I was surprised when I looked it up too. Did I talk about this at some point, James? Did I pick you pro- this? You probably have. It, it's an awesome card to pick up because it does such unique thing. It does like two really unique things as a mythic from the weird Fate Reforged set design plan thing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot oh, of reasons I, to like the card. I know what it was. This popped up in modern right before pioneer was announced because you could use yeah you would use the loop ability you know what it was you would use the the activated ability with um 
with Time Walk and uh, the Fires of Invention because you would cast yeah. the Time Walk oh my for God. free. <laughs> Then oh, activate that's, that's the ability clever. on Soulfire to return the time walk to your hand, and then you still had one more spell you could cast that turn. So it gave you infinite turns, and you could still cast a spell every turn, an additional spell. Yeah, that's that was dirty. a sick combo. I like it. And it is in Pioneer. So I, I, I like it's got the challenge that it's not seen a lot of EDH play. Um, it's and beyond that, you're not going to see it. It's not seen too much play anywhere else. Um, it might have been good in modern, but nobody cares about modern anymore. But it's a very cool card, and we could definitely <laughs> see it make waves in Pioneer. I, I like I'm I'm so close to wanting to buy in. I guess I'm just would love to see any other reason. Um, but then again, with the supply as low as it is, maybe that's all the reason I need. I was looking at it. And I didn't want to buy like the last fifteen copies before this went live. So um, the first people that listen, congratulations. This is a super you buy the last fifteen. You buy the last fourteen, and then make it sound like there's no copies left. <laughs> <laughs> they, this is a super speculative pick, but they're foil mythics for under ten dollars. So if when it gets there, it's going to take off. Um, a single top eight would send these foils north of thirty. Yeah, yeah. So tasty choice there. I like that. Thank you for reminding me of that. And it's also there, it's also prob- looking, <clears throat> it's almost certainly underplayed in EDH too, right? One has to imagine at like six hundred decks, it seems like it should be more than that. The problem is that there might just not be enough. Is it players? Uh, sorry, just well, you have to players. be just high, yeah. Um, so if you're listening, if your Pioneer deck just got banned and you don't know what to do, you've got Soulfire Grandmaster and Fires of Invention and any time walk effect. Okay, uh, we have a modern league here in segment three. Uh, are you going to make me look at modern lists? Do we have to do this? I don't want to look at modern. I, I, you know what? Let's take a vote real quick. Who would like to take a vote about this? Please raise your hand <laughs> if you'd like to talk about modern. Oh, look at that. I can't see anyone's hands up. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened. I don't see anything. <laughs> let, let's, let me put it this way. Modern's pretty diverse. Right? <sighs> there's a lot of... We a voted... Lot of, Hold on. There's a lot of cool decks in the five O's, but I'm not seeing anything I haven't seen before. Yeah. Suffice? Well, I would have to imagine there's virtually no... All the brewing juice has got to be going in the Pioneer today. Like, who's sitting down to try and come up with something new and putting their work into modern? I do see a fair bit of Oko. Just scrolling through here, but... Probably the spiciest thing I see here is a mid red mid range deck with four season pyromancer and four Torbrand Thane of Redfell. Yeah, Ooh, made it in the anything with Torbrand makes me happy. That's nifty, nifty. But um, man, I'm still kind of bitter about Modern Horizons now. Uh, okay, let's move on to segment four, our topic of the week. We've got a couple different things to touch on here. I guess let's address the the biggest item in the magic sphere, I think, overall, the Pioneer Band, Smuggler's Copter, and, uh, oh, shoot, I can never, Smuggler's Copter, Field of the Dead, there we go, I always have a draw blank on that, and also Once Upon a Time, all kicked out of Pioneer for a major shakeup to the format, arguably the biggest band list since the format's inception, all, what, six weeks of it, uh, 
I'm excited <laughs> for where for where this puts Pioneer, right? Because essentially, I, I actually don't know if you could look through a Pioneer, like a PTQ or a Challenge League, and find a single deck that wasn't running Copter or Field or Once Upon a Time. And if you found one, you probably only found one. The interesting thing here is that the Hour of Promise decks can probably still use some of their pieces in the new infrastructure without the Field of the Dead end game, because it's still a fairly strong ramp card that may have other other things to be doing in the end game. I don't think the format is going to miss having a super weird land-based zombie swarm endgame deck. Um, you don't need that for a healthy format, that's for sure. Once Upon a Time just makes all the green decks and some non-green decks even better. So it didn't. getting rid of Once Upon a Time probably doesn't kill anything, except maybe stuff like Lotus Field Combo if they needed it for consistency. Most of the other decks were, getting, were just getting in, like insane levels of consistent to always have an elf on turn one, basically, in the 8 to 12 elf decks. And then Copter... I mean, half the internet was screaming that this shouldn't have been banned. The other half of us were saying, there's just no way. Like, it was 3 out of 8, 4 out of 8, 5 out of 8, 4 out of 8, 5 out of 8 or something in the last five major MTGO tournaments, which is how I came around to telling everybody it was going to get banned, because that's the data they're looking at. Like, they don't, they're, they're not on a time frame week to week where they can look at GP data and stuff unless it happens to have been on the last weekend. So... That magic online data is everything. Like if, if you're if you're tracking top eights, you're looking at the same data as Wizards. The only thing you're missing is that they have the results um, for the leagues broadly, which are probably strongly reflect strongly reflected in the top eights. So Copter is like I think at a future date in the format, push out two or three years. I think Copter was unbannable. Like ditto something like Ley, Leyline, um, or at least Oath of Nyssa. But for now, whatever. Put them aside in the format till the format matures further, and then they'll be candidates to get unbanned and make us some money again down the road. I mean, it. I don't know where this stops. Like, it's not like one of these cards had taken over the format. Although Copter was close, um, it just seemed like the the ban philosophy is we're waiting to see if the cards that had been banned in their standard time were worth banning in Pioneer and were just rotating through. And uh, I think next people, I mean, nobody's broken Etherworks Marvel yet or Dig Through Time or Treasure Cruise. Uh, Frostodon is never going to be banned. What else got banned? Uh, Emrakul got banned. Uh, Reflector Mage? In Pioneer? No, in, when it was in standard. In standard. Well, oh, the, the thing uh, is that Mar- most Marvel of, works Emrakul and Reflector Mage and Rampaging Frostdawn. Most of yeah. the remaining culprits that are graveyard related, Cruise, Dig, and Emrakul, are all waiting for them to trip up and put print too many things that put that fill up the graveyard. Because as soon as you get a couple of cards that have incidental graveyard fill, those cards are going to be hyper activated. And you mean like holding, Cedar Wayfinder or Grizzly Salvage? The thing is that like. The, the decks that are running those have proven to be just good and not busted because they have, without the, the fetch lands, they have trouble filling up for the second dig. So you, yeah, you get your first treasure cruiser dig off, but some there's some tension between some of the other cards that want cards to stay in graveyards. So 
you know, some of the other graveyard angles you might be working require you to be cycling stuff out of your graveyard back into play, which doesn't play well with cruiser or dig. Um, or cards like, like I think, is Drown in the Lock um, partially based on your graveyard? I can't remember. It's based but on their graveyard. It's all on their graveyard? Both I'm modes. pretty sure. Okay. So ignore that comment. But the point is that <laughs> those cards are busted cards. At some point, they'll trip up. We're not there yet. So they're probably fine. Like That's why I think Travis's Dig Through Time pick is solid, because... I don't think Dig is in any danger of getting busted. Drown in the Lock is its controller's grave. Like uh, it, it counts the cards in your opponent's graveyard on both modes. Okay. Um, and I also agree that Charger Cruise and Dig Through Time are, even if they're not at the top of the list today, are two of the most mm, potentially dangerous cards in the format, just because they're going to have to keep printing spells that cost one and two mana, and they're going to keep interacting printing cards that interact with the graveyard, and eventually they're going to give us the tools that bust them. It could be two years, um, although with Theros right on the horizon, maybe not. Uh, but I definitely see those coming to head eventually. I also want to rewind just a little bit because you you mentioned that Once Upon a Time is in all the green decks, so it makes all of them a little bit worse kind of equally, which I mostly agree, which I agree with, right? For the most part, the the sticking point here is maybe the green decks with Once Upon a Time just outshined everything but Mono Black and Field. But now that they've lost Once Upon a Time and they're a little less consistent, they're a little slower, it brings all of those green decks closer to the power level of all the other strategies, right? Like Blue-White just couldn't keep up if your opponent, every green opponent was Once Upon a Time in every game. But now that they don't get to do that, those strategies are more viable than they were. So it's not that it hits one deck specifically, but it might level the playing field between the green and the non-green decks a bit. Yeah. In Pioneer, what's the one mana blue... What's the cantrip of choice for a blue-white deck? It's opt. Just opt. And then what after that? I think that's it. That's it. Oh, that's rough. That's what we need to see. I, mean, I guess people will start trying to play Azorius Charm, maybe, because that has the draw card mode. Or The uh, only other thing in Modern is Serum Visions, because they you know they kicked out Pioneer and Pure Dane forever ago, so there's not even that yeah. much in Modern at this point. In the tempo I've blue seen, white builds, yeah. you can run chart the course, and in and in Phoenix you run chart, for chart the course. Well, yeah, but that's because you have an, a thing you really, really would like to discard to the chart course. Yep. Uh, I guess chart does do some work. Uh, I imagine Chemistry's Insight is somewhere in those pioneer lists too. Mm-hmm. And and they're going to start filling gaps, right? Like there there are obvious like we need a path to exile in this format. So no, we expect don't. to see one. Expect to see a one mana white conditional kill in the next year for sure. If not in the next year, I in guess the next two years. We've Why? had a what, what, one mana what? white instant yeah. speed removal spell in every extended Magic format ever. Because Swords was an alpha. Yeah, and there might have been like an extended format that didn't have Path to Exile, but I wonder if there has always been a one it, either Swords or uh, Path has been in every single Magic format before, other than Standard. Well, and White is underrepresented in Pioneer. Like most most of the White cards that matter are Gold cards, like Teferi Time Reveler. You uh, you don't like the idea of these one of these cards being introduced to Pioneer Cliff? I I don't see like what. 
you need the cheap white a one white mana like uh, removal spell of that caliber to deal with the caliber of creature that uh, people can play at an early. You need something to deal with a merit lage, or you need something to deal with um, an Eldrazi or whatever hideous thing people are playing. That kind of threat isn't really present in Pioneer, and I don't know that they need to print another spell to go with it. Um, I won't be shocked if they give us a two-mana conditional spell, but um, I don't think the one-mana is going to be the way it goes. Or maybe it'd be something super conditional like the um, the Metalcraft spell that would exile was like a better path to exile if you had Metalcraft, but I don't remember what it did if you didn't. I think it just tapped a creature. Right. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the top 50 cards in Pioneer heading into the ban. Zero white cards that are not gold. <laughs> yeah. the, only, the only two in the, here are Supreme Verdict and Teferi. So I, I that, think that's, that's messed up. That's the, that's the angle you take for how, why do we need one of these white, a spell like this in the format? Because white doesn't exist without it. Like that has driven White's involvement in many of Magic's formats over the years because it was a good answer. And oh, if I'm, it, you know, I, I would really love Path in this deck. And if, oh, if I'm White, then I get to play this other card as well. So I might as well play some White. Uh, but it, without those, uh, yeah, the, it's like, well, and with Green's recent power increase, you really like. Well, I mean, I can cast Knight of the White Orchid, a two mana two two first strike. That's cool. Uh, what does Oko do? Like, you're, what is this three mana five five with Trample? Like, you know, it's just the outclasses White so badly these days. Something is like, there a three mana five five with Trample now? Uh, what is that steal something or other? The three pips, dude, Steel Leaf Champion. Yeah, Steel Leaf Champion. Oh yeah, five, he didn't travel, but he's got uh, too big five, for minis to block. The, yeah, 5-4 yeah. and, and 2 or less power can't block or something. So he's actually probably better than Trample on turn 3 and 4. So I, I, I agree with Cliff. It could be a 2-mana spell. Depends how hard they're pushing, right? But like it could just be 1 white instant or sorcery, depending on how hard they want to push. Just exile target creature or planeswalker, and they get a land. Yeah, I mean, we have Declaration in Stone, so it's already there, right? Like, that two-mana instant speed removal does exist, no, deck, and nobody's really playing it. Dex a sorcery. Uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, if you bump that up to instant, that might do it. And target Planeswalkers. That, that's the key. You gotta keep right. Oko and shit in check. Yeah, that's a I, I really agree with was. you on that. We need more direct Planeswalker answers, as we saw when people were main decking the, um, the Noxious grasp and whatever the other the ether gust just to deal with stupid oko you know that noxious grasp was the most popular card in main decks and we 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 need those planeswalker answers real bad like maybe they a shock upgrade a a shock upgrade that's like two damage to a creature or five to a planeswalker that seems Um, excessive but i like the way you think at least four white I mean, you can pay two mana and get Fry, although, because uh, who cares about any of the Planeswalkers that aren't blue that aren't or white? Blue. Yeah, fair. I, I can that's see a side, that's a, sideboard card. a one mana white enchantment with Flash 
that exiles a creature with like converted mana cost two or less until you know like essentially a banishing light that costs one mana is instant is has flash and can only target small creatures and then if you fulfill some condition lets you hit like planeswalkers and like maybe bigger creatures or something like that i don't know there's a there's i mean there's a lot of different ways they could approach it but i think the point is that and i don't remember how we got here that white would probably gaps, gaps from some the gaps better removal down the hall, down the down the road yeah the um what's the timeline for pioneer masters then uh sometime in the next two 2021. years summer 2021 the, the takeaway for me on this ban list change is that it's a real big shakeup, um and a lot several cards that were pretty much on the sidelines or barely registering before today could be pretty significant in the next week so Smart Money is going to be paying very close attention to online results, listening to what the pros have to say, seeing what decks are starting to creep in, because uh, I expect, you know, without Smoker's Copter and Field of the Dead, we're going to see pretty major changes across those top eights. I actually think you're still going to see black decks at at least tier 1.5. Field decks, obviously, are just gone. Um, But a lot of the things that field decks were doing in various color combinations still exist. So, like, Nexus of Fate game plans, Hour of Promise game plans, those components are going to get reshuffled into new configurations as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, Hour of Promise is a badass card. Uh, I remember liking that back when Amakit came out. The engine right now feels like, I mean, I haven't seen any of the decks in play, so it's unfair of me to try and speak to how they operate. I, I have to imagine they're primarily Field of the Dead decks that have a couple other creatures and like a set of Ugins if they need them. But if the pieces aren't there for those Hour Promise decks to thrive today, um, I don't doubt that like they'll get there eventually, whether it'll be a Valakit or something that's similar to Field of the Dead or some whatever land it is that gives them the ability to close it out. Shit, they could become Mazen decks, right? Like That's theoretically possible. Oh, now yeah. we're really getting into a magical Christmas land. I like it. I like it. Give me some Mazes and wins. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I mean but bottom line. Keep, keep an eye on the next set of results uh, out of Magic Online. Um, whatever tournament's going on this weekend. I, I don't know if SEG might have a Pioneer event this weekend. Um, that's worth ch- double-checking. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about the results of those tournaments come this time next week. Oh, undoubtedly. Um, all right, so the <laughs> second thing we want to talk about was uh, the secret layer here. Now, for, let me fill in our listeners here uh, some of the background that I will surely get the details wrong on. Back in War of the Spark, there was promotional art released that showed, I believe, 36 Planeswalkers in stained glass artwork. Um we knew most of the Planeswalkers. We actually did not know all of them. And at the time, it was in writing on Wizards' website. I checked the link this week that they would not appear on cards. Uh, but lo and behold, uh, the day that the Secret Layer bundle went on sale, which was yesterday, uh, they got Eric Froelich and uh, I'm drawing a blank on the second person. I to, think Marshall. Uh, well, one. One of our members, Alexis, who designed Dragon's Maze, ex-Watsi employee, was one of them. Marshall. Oh, well, she she had them early, too. Yeah, because basically what they did, my theory is they weren't planning on doing this. And when they saw how slowly sales were taking off on the bundles Monday morning, they made an, a last-minute attempt to reach out to people. Because it was 
they they said like on Twitter, I think around like eleven thirty or noon or something, that they wanted people to put their hand up that were in the Seattle area. <laughs> so they were like same day couriering out these sets to show oh. to show off the stained glass planeswalkers. Which there's no course, way, man. Those things were like you can't. They had these for something, but you're oh, saying no, no, they no, just no, decided no. I, to. They they were always going to be included. But when the sales didn't take off, they decided in letting, instead of letting it be a surprise after the bundle had already passed through its 24-hour sales cycle, when it wouldn't help them, they decided to make oh. sure it helped them. So then they same-day delivered packs early to people so they could show them off, which I guarantee you doubled sales. Because oh, yeah. I, I was totally out. Like I was just going to sit this out and maybe buy some of the Multicolor Commander, like maybe four of the Multicolor Commander one. But when they added in a minimum five to ten dollar EV stained glass planeswalker, that changes all the math. And yeah, the bundles were already thirty, I think, four to five dollars off per set out of the seven versus buying them individually. And it's actually more than that because as of today, with the first single bundle, the Bitter Blossom bundle going on sale, we realized that shipping was not included under a hundred dollars. So the bundles were free shipping at two hundred. But if you buy, say you bought one a day for the next seven days, you're paying an extra $35. Then you're getting, already getting 30 to $35 off. So that's 70 right there. And then the other thing that turns out people completely overlooked was that the ma- the bundles come with Magic Online. Well, both bundles and singles come with a Magic Online uh, redemption code for the cards. Now, on a, you also get a code for Arena, but on Arena, most of them are just sleeves, I think, because the cards, most of those cards mm-hmm. don't exist on Arena. And you can't, yep. you can't transfer... I mean, I guess you could sell the code on eBay or something for Arena, but that's less important. What is important is that last night around midnight, GoatBot started buying the cards, and almost nobody noticed or was even thinking about it. So they were just sitting there offering 73 tickets to, for the code. So you go onto Magic Online, you redeem the code, you get the cards that you bought in the bundle, you trade them to GoatBots, they give you 73 tickets, which, since tickets sell for about 0.94 or so, is essentially getting $70 off the $200 bundle, which was already $35 to $70 discounted versus singles, like single boxes. So I managed, somebody mentioned it to me on Twitter, Just I just happened to notice it, I jumped online got the 73 ticks, and by the time we started talking about it in the Discord, the price was tumbling 10 ticks a minute, like, for about 10 minutes, and ended up somewhere around, like, 12 tickets or something. And in in the midst of that, I bought a code on eBay for 20 ticks and sold it for 42, and that was the last one I got off before it all crumbled for nothing. <laughs> but the point is that we now have to take this into consideration for the, the go-forward on the secret layer. First off, the bundle's totally the way to go, because it's the only way to get the code soon enough to get top dollar. Like if you're ready at midnight on the Monday for the next drop, your your bundles only cost you 130 bucks. I, so I, I don't understand. If you bought the bundle, let's say let's say they went up for sale oh, at no, 8 a.m. Eastern Monday morning, uh, and you buy the bundle. Are you talking about buying the paper bundle or the MTGO bundle? So it's all the same thing. When you buy the bundle, part of the bundle is digital codes for Magic Online and Arena. But you get the link to those codes before you get the the delivery in the mail. So the li- okay, that's what I was yeah. going to ask. So the link in the codes comes in your confirmation email. So the strategy now is obvious. You have to be you want to be buying in the first hour. 
because you're going to get your codes. You're going to get your order confirmed fastest. You're going to get your codes right away. The second the bots turn on their buying that night, while everybody else is in bed, you want to be flipping out your codes to bring the price of your bundles down to just a ridiculously low number. And then you're going to have no trouble making money on Secret Lair. Well, you have to imagine that GoatBots essentially was feeling out the market on this first one. And there's no way they're going to launch their Theros or Ikoria mystery bundle buy list at 70 tickets again. Well, I guess we'll see. Because the thing is, they're algorithm based. So they'll set it, they'll set it high based on the cost. Basically, the way their algorithm works is it looks at the price of the pre-existing cards. So whatever a Bloodgast was worth, or a Life from the Loam, or a Secret uh, uh, Serum Visions, it just looks at the average price of the other existing versions. They probably set it pretty close to that, and then they're seeing how much the market will cough up. Now, in this particular case, there was infinite infinity more sellers than buyers because nobody was up buying those cards. So that's why we drove the price into the ground, just probably with thirty or forty of us on the Discord, because. It was just every time you sell, the algorithm lowers its price, and it was just sales mm-hmm. going on for like a solid hour. So then, boom, it's down in the ground. So you might be right. Like they might set it at a lower thing, but even if they were offering 30 ticks, that's still such a great discount. Especially if you assume that the uh, next secret layer is better than this one, which could easily be true. I guess I'm not eager to pull the trigger <laughs> on a bundle. If I wasn't going to buy a bundle, anyways, the. Inclusion of the MTGO redemption code and the promise of getting the or the promise of getting the sell that to goat bots or whomever wouldn't sway my decision, but it would be a welcome opportunity, Bogus. possible opportunity if I if if they do offer decent money and I am at my computer. Like I, that's not going to make me buy the bundle, but if I have the bundle, I'm excited to give it a shot. Well, next time. One of the things that's going to happen is people pre-selling those codes on eBay before they even have them. Yeah, because they're people. Well, and the other like, sorry, go ahead. It, like, thought. if you if you could promise me the option to buy eight of your codes on whatever the next secret layer is, and you charge me fifteen dollars today, I'd just give you the money because I'm willing to take the risk that it doesn't come together again, and I would love to just know that the second you get your confirmation email, I'm getting eight codes. Because you're hoping to flip those codes for, uh, let's say, 30 tickets each? Yeah. Summary, even if I got 20 to 30, it's totally worth it for the three minutes it takes to take care of it. Okay. I don't, um, I don't, I don't so, think so everybody the, necessarily has the, the, the time or the, the right timing. Like, you're re- very right that this requires a very specific time frame. You need it to be quick. And if it's not quick, you run the risk of being caught with whatever you said they're at now, the twelve dollars. Yeah, there's there's two other points. Like, first of all, West Coast <coughs> is the East Coast, obviously, because if you work in the more on a, you're on a normal work schedule, you might not be up at midnight. But on the West Coast for you, Cliff, it, it'd be like nine p.m. probably when GoatBots release, so it'd be fine. Um, Brother, I'm a high but, school teacher. I I live to be asleep by ten o'clock. <laughs> Fair enough. So, two other things: the codes uh, I think have to be cashed in by the end of December. So these are time-limited in much the same way that the mystery boosters are. Um, And what I mean by that is if you miss your first chance to sell and it craters as it has today, um, you might just be able to wait a couple months and get your your value back uh, anyway. Because this 
we we talked last week about how a lot of this secret layer is kind of was undermined by how many modern relevant cards were in it but the next one or the one after that could easily not be the case and they could be more pioneer and edh cards in which case they'll be the pioneer cards especially will be rock solid to recover like if they give us a really great name a good pioneer card that's not going anywhere spire bluff canal or something or arclight phoenix um you know those even if they crater from six dollars to two dollars on day two by day 90 after no more codes can be redeemed um there's a really good chance that those are going to rebound as premium versions of the card um the other thing is that a lot i would say the vast majority of these codes will not be used so a very say they sold whatever fifteen or twenty thousand sets of each this week. Most of the codes, like ninety five percent, I would guess, don't get redeemed. Partially because anybody like Channel Fireball or Star City Games that is involved is probably not bothering with the codes at all. It's just not part of their operation. Um, a lot of vendors are probably in the same boat. A ton of our Discord members offered to sell me their codes too late um, because they don't even have Magic Online accounts anymore. Um, so. I, I don't think there's going to be that many copies, and they are time limited. Hmm. This is, right. a, this is a fascinating angle to all of this. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and then the other thing is, even, <laughs> if, you, even if you don't believe in, in, the, in the getting 70 ticks off your bundle pros, program, um, you still got stained glass planeswalkers to deal with. And yeah, that's the big, the big get here. Well, and you can only get them so far as we know, in this release. And a lot of people probably haven't heard about it because Wizards didn't promo it really all that well. Like, if you're not on Twitter, you probably haven't heard unless somebody told you. And it's spreading, for sure. But people are going to like people are going to not notice that and get pleasant surprises in the mail. I suspect that not all 36 of the War Planeswalkers are included here. We did notice that, like for instance, Ajani... Uh, the war Ajani showed up in the cat deck every time it was opened by the four people they sent it to in Seattle. So it's possible that they are collated uh, only semi-randomly. Um, or they could be fully random. We'll know as they start to land next week whether that's true or not. Ashiok always seemed to be in the Serum Visions one. Um, and we didn't see some of the big players. Nobody saw a Teferi. Nobody saw a Karn. Nobody saw... Um, Narset, Narset, um, Nissa, etc. Vivian. Um, so the but Nicol Bolas is, looks like he's a lock for or is one of a few multicolor planeswalkers that might be showing up in the uh, five color commander bundle. So now that one has rocketed even further to the top of my list because you're getting three fantastic commanders plus a, let's call it a one in three chance at a Nicol Bolas stained glass. And those are $30 or something? Are they 30 or 40 I can't remember. But either way, it's such a great deal. That, those stained glass planeswalkers changed the math so hard. And I went from having no intentions of buying any of them to like staring at the buy page. Like, should I? Shouldn't I? Uh, and I ended up not picking any up. But I'm not sure that was right. Mostly because like everything else... I'm like, well, I can, you know, I don't mind sitting this shipment out. Um, same way that I engaged on the Theros collectors or the first collectors boosters a little reluctantly because I wanted to see how they played out. But now, uh, 
now that I know how they work, it'll give me a better idea on the second one. So I'll be curious to see what the prices on those stained glass walkers land at. But that's a very, I would imagine, a very limited supply of those are going to go out the door. And for several of these, you know, these all have like the Japanese foil versions, but those are absurdly expensive, right? Like, you know, yes. $150, $200. So that's another yeah. angle that's worth a quick uh, discussion point or two. The Japanese foil planeswalkers, I think, do get undercut somewhat in the short to midterm by these. I'm going to assume that we're getting 18 walkers this time and 18 walkers three months from now in another secret layer release. And then they'll move on to something else. Um, they had the art on hand. They wanted to add another bonus to these to sweeten the pot. This was just a this plays out well while these walkers are all legal and standard. And if you can only get them in one release and then one more, you've got to buy both to have any and collect them pretty hard if you want to have any chance of finishing the set. And I think the set looks so good that a lot that more people than normal will be trying to get them just as a set. Like I think every collector focused collector of magic cards will want a set of these. Like guys like my dad, it's just like an auto lock. He's going to buy he's going to buy a couple of the secret layer bundles. He's only going to get a handful of the, the stained glass walkers. Then he's going to want the rest. Then he's going to hit up TCG player and buy the other 30 he's missing. And that's going to clean them out pretty fast and because they are both temporally and geographically limited because you can only buy them for this week. Now, granted, let's say 20,000, probably upper bound number of, of these sets are going to be sold. But geographically bounded, because the customs and uh, duties and taxes and shipping are so high to ship these internationally, and only certain countries can order them in the first place, that overseas, these are going to be very hard to come by. So the good competitive ones, like what do you think a stained glass Teferi is going to go for in Japan in five years? Like, where did they ever get any stock? Like, how many total secret layer bundles are even going to get ordered to Japan? 200? 500? How many of those have a Teferi in them? Like, 20%? 10%? Yeah. It's, it's going to be some insanely low number. And I ran the math and figured out that the, at least for the mythic, like, say, a Nicol Bolas Dragon God, um, the stained glass boluses, probably, even if they sell 20,000 of these, probably there's only 4,000 copies printed which is about the same as I calculated for, say, a mono Liliana out of the Japanese war boxes. So at the mythic level, they've basically doubled the number of premiums in the market, but it's still not a tremendous amount. So I think the market can absorb both over time. And I think that in U.S. specifically, having English on the stained glass is going gonna, is gonna to trump Japanese for a lot of people. And then some people will be more into the anime art slash Amano, Amano is a god slash these are ostensibly more rare um, for certain rarities of the Japanese Planeswalker. So I think they'll both do well over time, especially for the key cards. And there are one of the things that's interesting here is that unlike, say, rares in Eldraine collector boosters, which there are plenty of duds. There's not a really a lot of bad planeswalkers in the 36, right? Like there are at least yeah. there's, there's 10 to 15 serious cross format staples. Karn, Ugin. The, the, uh, there's several strong highs, and I, there's a good chunk of lows in there, right? Like there's the Wanderer, Teo there's like and, the Nahiri, mm-hmm. 
the shield guy. So there, you know, there's several that the miss. The shield but, guy. Uh, but like, yeah, I but what's the floor? I'm not going like, to bother to learn his name. Pr- predict ooh, the floor ooh, on like a, a, on Ongrath or Teo or the Bad Nahiri. Like in stained glass, do we think five bucks for those? Ten bucks? I yeah. mean, the, the cheapest uh, Japanese foil on those is still in the twenty-five range, right? Or is it down to fifteen? Uh, I was, I was. As I was staring at the page to decide whether to buy, I was ballparking like five ish, five to ten dollars in my head with the expectation that it could be double that pretty easily. Um, but and I mostly just decided I didn't feel like taking the risk at the moment. Uh, but I, I do agree that these these take like maybe a little bit of the wind out of the sails on those Japanese foils. But I, I imagine these live somewhere between the two price points, right? Like you have your foil to fairy time ravelers, I don't know what, 50 bucks or something like that. 60 bucks. You've got your Japanese foil all art fairies that I got, I don't know what, 250 or something. And these stained glass walkers seem like they could probably sit at 120 or 130. Um, not today and not for, and not for all of them, only for the true chase cards, like the Teferi and the Narset. But, uh, you know, I would imagine the stained glass foils will fall somewhere between the pack foils and the Japanese all art foils, which is still, a good place to be overall. And I also agree, uh, by the way, that it's looking like we're going to see half of those 36 planeswalkers this time. We'll get the other half in the next one and they'll do something else in the following secret layer. We just don't know what it's going to be. And on that note, by the way, I might've asked this last week and I forgot, but do we know how often they're doing this? They haven't announced, but my the guess is like three months, three months and it's going to be scheduled to be in between other major set releases so that they can smooth out revenues. Are we the, pretty the sure uh, this is the only mm-hmm. time they're going to distribute the stained glass ones? I, I think it's this one and the next drop. Spread next across. Secret layer drop? Yeah. Okay. And, and and we'll know next week. Like It's entirely possible that by next cast we've seen all 36 in the, and that they were randomized or semi-randomized and, and the ones that got sent to the four people on for social media purposes were completely curated. Like they handpicked the Ajani's to go in the cat ones to just make it look cute. But they I they mean, did put out a statement that argue. said they did put out a statement that said specifically, you're not getting the same card every time. It's not and the cards that you're seeing in this in this airdropping are not guaranteed to be present. So it suggests how mad would people have been if they hadn't like gone ahead and Mm -hmm. made sure people knew about this by hand delivering them quick? Like, can you imagine how pissed off people would have been if uh, If they missed it? Yeah. Yeah, that it would have been funny. Like, I I think it's a major misstep to not have promoted it because they just you want to promote far enough. If you're time limiting the sale, which they are. There's no point shooting yourself in the foot and not putting your best foot forward, because well, it, people what have it does is it, some people well, need time to line up the money, so you kind of want to tell them two weeks in advance so they know what's up. It reminds me a lot of um, I don't know if you were playing during uh, Avacyn Restored and the Hell Vault. I was just thinking the exact same thing. Like if you were playing the Hell Vault in your local store and you didn't know anything else about what was going on. You were like, dude, this is sweet. I got these cards, and we did this thing, and we all worked together. It was awesome. And then you found out that certain stores had gotten, like, everyone got 
Judge Foil demonic tutors or the foil <laughs> uh, oversized cards, and we're now just like rolling around in their money bin like Scrooge McDuck. It really shit on the entire process, and I can't imagine nobody remembered that. So I'm really glad that we have found out about this in time for buying purposes, but it it, it hurts that they can't remember something like they're supposed to have some sort of institutional memory by now. And this experience uh, came really close to repeating that you can't, it, you can't, you can't do this to, to the players where you say you could have had this, but you chose not to. Don't you feel stupid now? It would be pretty savage if they had said nothing. And then these started landing in people's homes and people were posting photos of what they got, like the planeswalkers and everyone's just like, what? Like what? What? I, you're telling me these were in there and I would have gotten them if I'd ordered this stupid thing, but you never gave me any information whatsoever, but you're also not selling them anymore. So all I can do is see everyone like see other people order them and like scramble to buy them. Yeah, that just seems like a very short sighted decision well, so for- that for a company whose entire business model is getting people excited to buy products that they would make that much of a blunder. Yeah. Bonuses should be things like stickers and pins and shit like unknown bonuses, not not things like, oh, there's more attracts of players than there are players that give a shit about cat cards. And an attracts a player that can get a stained glass of Johnny that adds loyalty counters to their planeswalker is probably probably has a larger market share. <laughs> so you could have doubled the number of cat sets you sold if all of the attracts of players knew that that was out there. Um, and that it was a guarantee. Do you have this Johnny in your attracts deck? I do. Um, yeah, it does right. work. Because it puts if you're if you're playing like a tracks of counters with planeswalkers like some kind of hybrid build, then it does counters on the creatures and counters on the planeswalkers, so it's just obvious. So couple couple final points: a- Angraph, Captain of Chaos, Japanese foil art, TCG, twenty eight results, lowest is five bucks, market's eleven. So that says no one's been buying since the race to the bottom started. But there's only twenty eight results total, and the ramp to twenty eight five and thirty is pretty steep. That says to me that Japanese foil boxes aren't really being opened anymore, but also the focus is off and nobody's really buying them. So I think we can assume that the shitty stained glasses are probably about the same, five to ten bucks minimum. So that means if you got the bundle, even if you didn't do the sexy MTGO uh, $70 off thing, you still saved the 30 to 35 on shipping versus single sets, and you're getting like a five to ten dollar bill wrapped up minimum. And if you get something like the Kaleidoscope Killers, which is $40, by the way, you're getting the three commanders plus a shot at Nicol Bolas, which puts each of those at 10 bucks. And I find it very hard to believe that you're not going to get out at 15 to 25 on most of those. So I think Kaleidoscope yeah, Killers is, I, still my, is still my pick to load up on. Well, I, I, the only card I care about in any of the Secret Lair is uh, I have an Ur-Dragon deck and I want the Ur-Dragon for it. And I wasn't going to buy the set because I was quite sure I'd be able to get the Ore Dragon as a single later on for less than 40 and now I'm thinking, I, I fucking might as well, because of the stupid claim, blah, 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 the stupid stained glass planeswalker. So congratulations, wizards. You got me. You feel good about this? You feel good about this? I hope you do. And, and I think you actually could still go both ways, because everybody knows Kaleidoscope Killers is the thing. So everybody's loading up. And then the people with weak hands that we're hoping to flip for double in a week are going to get panicky and start undercutting each other. And we are going to get a shot at these singles real cheap. 
because they're all going to hit yeah, the market at the same time. Like that's that's the recipe for the worst race to the bottom ever is when everybody gets their shit on the same day. <laughs> but it, but it also means that because they all got it on the same day and they can never resupply, that two years out, whichever ones are super popular will be doing well. There's just not a lot of that in this drop because this was designed you know six to nine months ago or whatever, and there's too many modern cards in this drop. This is this is tough because you want to wait and avoid and dodge the race to the bottom and let that clear out and then come to the market after the fact. But you also don't want to miss your window where people don't really care all that much anymore. And the hype cycles moved on to whatever the premium card of the week is and people aren't buying these types of things. So timing that could be a little tricky. I'm taking it pretty easy. I got two bundles. I got out on my codes. So the bundles cost 130. So I'm not worried about those at all. The Kaleidoscope Killers, if it's got to say a one-third chance of getting a Bolas, then I value those at like the $40 price tag is super, super solid. So I'll get four of those and then we'll just kick back and see. The default exit strategy for pro traders, since we have connections in Europe, is going to be to dump them overseas. Because just as with SDCC sets, even if those are hard to sell here, they're not hard to sell in Europe because nobody has them. So we can like as pro traders, we can probably pull together, you know, a bunch of people that end up with extras or whatever that they can't dump easily should be able to do a deal with a vendor in the EU to like unload 20 at once or whatever for plus 10 or 15 a set and do just fine. Vendor will end up selling them in Europe at 60 euro. We'll unload them at 45 US, something like that. Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts here, Cliff? Nope. Uh, I believe we have said all that needs to be said. Uh, I have switched over to buying a single bundle, oh, a single have- uh, one of the sets. We do have one final thing. We had a we decided to do a new thing this week, which oh, was right. the members spec of the week. We should have done it in the earlier in segment two. Um, so what we did was we had the pro trader members who were all fairly active in the MGG Finance community submit their best thoughts on what they thought should be on the spec list this week, and we handpicked one that we thought was a reasonable pick. Um, and it turned out we went with Glorybringer set for pack foils. At four to five dollars to get to ten to twelve, um, Travis and I were just shitting on this card last week on the basis that we thought it was kind of a one-trick pony in Pioneer that would get overshadowed sooner or later. But I can see the other side of that, which is that sure it's going to get overshadowed, but it probably gets at least six months where the format more or less looks the same. Um, there were, yeah, I, and, and, and I since we were making fun of it, there were three significant bands that depower the format quite a bit. Yeah. I can't say that this is in any different position than something like the Wayfarers bobble. Like, do I think glory bringer is going to be a pioneer staple six, 12, 24 months from now? Well, 24, definitely not, uh, six months, maybe. Um, so the time will come, I suspect for that card, but could definitely be long enough that buying in at the four or five bucks and riding it to 10 or 12 is totally valid. And given the supply we, I was seeing when we checked before the cast, that's not going to be hard at all. So, I, I mean, I, 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 as much as I don't think Glorybringers are going to be a permanent institution in Pioneer, I think the spec, based on the numbers, is actually quite solid. Yeah, I mean, Agreed. there's a sell wall at the lowest price point. Only 13 listings. The first one on TCG right now is Channel Fireball. No way. Channel Fireball has Pioneer cards. Um, 427 
plus shipping, so basically five twenty-five. They've got twenty-five copies. Past that, gets a little better up until ten dollars a copy. There's a thirty-two copy sell wall, and then up at thirteen dollars, there's a fourteen copy sell wall. So this is like relatively shallow in terms of number of vendors, but some people went deep early, and it's gonna it's gonna take. There's like maybe a hundred copies that need to sell for this to post up solidly around, you know, 12 to 15. The hidden inventory in uh, other speculators' hands is, uh, is a question factor is, to consider. Is certainly a question mark. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. I think that's a solid pick. Uh, we, let's call that. We, a- we have to attribute that. That was. Uh, no, he, no, anonymous. <laughs> it was our user goes by the Discord handle of Dirtnap. So Dirtnap, we've we've got a prize for you. We haven't actually figured out yet what it is, but I'll let you know tomorrow. It'll be sweet. It's a dirt um, nap. Why don't we just say? I it, mean, the, the joke he, was right there. For for this week, let's just say it's he gets the twenty five dollar gift certificate from Cool Stuff Inc. Hey, that works for me. He's, he's hanging out in the Discord. <laughs> Yay, so winner! All right, uh, where can our listeners find you, Cliff? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Word of Commander and my weekly pieces on MTG Price every Friday afternoon. Or Friday morning, I should say. You guys can find me on Twitter at MTG Critic as well as via my occasional articles on MTGPrice.com. I am constantly haunting the ProTrader Discord and I've been stealing a lot of cough syrup from the local cough syrup store. Do they uh, make you give your ID in Canada for your cough syrup the way sometimes no. they do down here? No, you just kick a polar bear in the nuts and the cough syrup falls out of his mouth. <laughs> and Fair I'm point. Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Monday doing the Watchtower series MTG Price. I'd like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com pro trader service for just $7.99 a month or $79.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast Fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Finance, Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and tons and tons of other fun collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 with the number 5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. That brings us to the end. Gentlemen, I don't know that I ever want to do the three-way again. I hate waiting on just one of you, and waiting on two of you has driven me nuts. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you all next week on another episode of FPG Pass by Hand. <laughs>